Welcome to the Frame of Flower podcast. My name is LMC. This is episode number 12. I am joined by a super special guest. His name is Tom Howard. He is the amazing cannabis lawyer. He's out of Illinois. He is the main host um, of uh, Cannabis Legalization News on YouTube. Please go check them out. They'll be linked down below. Really awesome platform. Uh, you know, I went on their show about actually yesterday, I believe, right? Um, yeah. yeah, yesterday. And, you know, I've just really been uh, fascinated, you know, talking to you, Miggy, Lauren, um, you know, all the, all the members of the uh, Cannabis Legalization News YouTube channel team. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me, LMC. I mean, I really appreciated you coming on the show and, and talking about uh, cannabis sublimation. And so like we, we like to explore the industry on Cannabis Legalization News, which we do as a live feed uh, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, which turns out to be noon uh, Pacific time. Uh, and then we were discussing SEO and we use a lot of SEO in our uh, usage. And I use a lot of SEO in my law practice, to be honest, because when somebody asks Google a question about the cannabis industry, if I can be there answering it, I immediately start helping that person who's trying to get into the industry. And that's really why we started the channel was so that when somebody wants to get in this industry, they kind of call it the fire hose. Have you ever heard that about cannabis? Mm, kind of, not, no, no. Yeah, all right. Well, you've me. been in it. You've been in it for so long. Yeah, I think like I know what you mean, but I want to I wanna get yeah. Yeah, I wanna hear from you. Yeah, so like when a new person gets into the cannabis industry, they kind of feel like they've been hit by a fire hose because oh, the yep. cannabis I industry that. has. <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Right, because it, and then then this this uh, can of freeze or, or space weed or the cannabis uh, sublimation process to flash freeze that can cure the cannabis within 24 hours from harvest. That's just another example of this um, uh, fire hose that people get hit with, especially when they're new to the industry. All these new terms, all these new things, all these things that how it's priced, how it's grown, how it's extracted. You know, what do you mean I can't I can't grow it and sell it? Well, you can if you have these two different types of licenses, unless of course you're in Washington State and then you can either grow or sell it because you're not allowed to be vertically integrated. So then you also have this rubric of legal regulations and hurdles, which are a patchwork, kind of like Europe before the Euro, where every little entity has its own uh, rules and organizations and protocols that you have to follow. And depending on what state you're operating in, it can get worse because it can be on a municipal level. For example, California, even though it's the OG of legal cannabis, uh, still about like half a state, well, while it is legal, it's not necessarily legal to be in the business of it. And so like a lot of counties and a lot of municipalities in California still don't have um, you know, dispensaries or, yeah. or cannabis businesses. And like Fresno is getting ready to start at, uh, offering licenses there. So, and I also heard, uh, gosh, I think somebody was twisting my ear today about Beverly Hills. I I've seen that. Uh, yep. That's the thing. I think that's the thing. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I've seen this. I saw, I actually, I was watching one of your guys' episodes and I, you guys were talking about how, well, you asked, you asked Miguel, be like what's like in Washington and so counties can do moratoriums on certain things right so that's isn't that the craziest thing? so I've heard the number for California is that like 33% of people actually have like reasonable access to legal cannabis right yeah, that's just crazy. I mean, everybody thinks <laughs> it's like, well, it's been legal in California for years. Not really, yeah. not really at all. And then uh, you have states like Oregon uh, that have a much more liberal 
policy of who can and who can't get in. In states like Oklahoma, which seems as liberal, it may be even more so yeah. in the sense they have, and that happened very quickly because Oklahoma just passed, I want to say, medical in like 2016 and yeah. in less than another, another four years. $300 million, like three, it's crazy. Because thousands of license holders, 2,400 dispensaries, no qualifying conditions. Anybody is there a license cap on Oklahoma, by the way, or no? No, there's not a license uh, what, cap. Okay, so, so what do you think about that? Because I would love, this, this is yeah. one of the main questions I want to ask you for sure is that, so you see Oregon, Oregon was kind of the poster child for, I don't like, I don't want to ever see cannabis, people, limiting people to get into the cannabis industry, right? Because the big, the big, one of the big barriers to entry is how expensive some of these licenses can get. So for in Oregon, right, there's no license cap. Any, you know, you and your mama can get a license. Right. Now, the problem with that is that there's going to be, wins? who wins? It's going to be too much volume of licenses. There's going to be too much competition. It's going to still be the guy. Right. It's going to, I mean, like mm -hmm. we're, we're, we believe that we would be able to solve the problem of the expensiveness of the cannabis industry by having this open Oregon or Oklahoma style open market. But then what happens? Who's the winners? The guy who came in with $10 million. Exactly. Because the end game for that market. That stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Because I can bleed. Because I can bleed. I got the money. And not only that, I'm building out a big old freaking greenhouse. I'm going to have my $25 eighths. It hit 20% THC. And, you know, and they're compete done. with and me, bro. Done. Yeah. 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 And, and they're that's done. right. And it's like, yeah, it's like I can, I can lose $20 million for the next 10 years. What can you do? Like, that's, fuck, man. That's how right. are you going to beat I that? Like, yeah. I have a bag that I sell that I expect to just break even on so I can sell that so I can get shelf space so I can get a name out there so I can start building a brand because if you don't have that and you have the completely open system where anybody can get in, it's going to still be uh, the rule of business. And remember, and the rule of business is businesses fail and businesses fail fairly frequently, like within five years. And because of that, you know, did you really expect that it was going to uh, somehow turn into this magical thing where everybody's going to be able to get into the industry and then be successful in the industry? Yeah, one big cannabis fairy tale. I, 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 people believe that though. And, right. and, you know, I think in some ways I kind of believed it a little bit. Like there's this utopia of like, we're all going to get, you know, rich off weed, which is like far, far, far from the truth. Like it's far from the truth. But then again, there is opportunity, opportunity here though. Yes. Yeah, it's 100%. a big opportunity. And so I think that you really do try to strike the best that you can, knowing that the more open that you make it, the more cutthroat it becomes, the more you yep. might actually uh, defeat the policy you're trying to achieve. And that policy that you're trying to achieve is this inclusiveness and this, this market being open for especially people that are disproportionately hurt by the, the war on marijuana. Uh, and by having that just be completely open, uh, then that really just sets it up for, you know, your Crescos or your cookies or your big brands that you're whatever brand uh, Acreage Holdings has to come in and, and just to, you know, outspend the next yeah. person to be able to try to take market share. But then in Illinois, where the licenses are more fixed and that social equity uh, in the tapestry of the corporate organization itself is really just like injected into it, uh, uh, that might be um, this, this balanced solution that because the number of licenses is so restricted, you kind of have an oligarchy, kind of like a little OPEC cartel type mm -hmm. thing. Cartels are like common word, right? Yeah. Right, right. And then you'd have like a little cartel of license holders that allows for uh, the families that won, 
hopefully they are all social equity and like hopefully, hopefully what they've actually done is they've like, and one of the things that I'm going to be doing in the second round is I'm going to be doing uh, these trusts that would apply. So one of the applicants would be a trust. The trust would be like, you know, the good cannabis family trust or, you know, the, the Robinson family trust, whatever family has it or whatever, um, uh, cause that's associated with what we call the R3 program. So it's like the restore, reinvest, re- renew uh, program, $31.5 million in the bank to these uh, these uh, types of grants. And I have not heard from the guy who said he was writing one that I was going to help with. And so I need to touch base with him because they're due Monday. Hopefully he's been working on it. And I told him I'd help, but I'm not the one getting the money. It's your grant. You know, you, yeah. you you have to come to me a little bit more. No, um, absolutely. So yeah. real quick though. So, you know, one thing when I, when I first did, I, I, I start, I ran, I, I met Dan Garms from Green and Shy on LinkedIn and then that's how we actually got introduced. And then um, I went on their show and I, and I've started now, you know, talking to you and, and the people at Green and Shy. Um, you know, I've started to get a better idea of the Illinois market, a little bit of research there too, but, I honestly think the Illinois like market is shaping up to be honestly one of the better markets in the long run. It's, it, I feel like, I feel like Illinois has taken, has been, has, has waited enough that they legalized at the right time. And they, I think that they've seen so many different models fail and be successful. But really one of the things that like, we, like you just brought up, that's that I've seen, we've seen fail in, in a lot of different states has been the social equity programs, right? California. Right. So, so what is going to make Illinois different? Cause I've heard this though before that Illinois right. a social equity program is actually going to be a legit one. Cause, cause you know, uh, and they, I, and I, they, I love they, the idea of it, but it's just not been executed. Right. Right. Well, in terms of uh, other states, again, in terms of other states. Yeah. Right. And so what they did in Illinois is they actually made it a condition precedent of the organization of the company itself. And so the company itself and the, uh, the applicants that were applying uh, had to move toward the regulation. And so uh, 50, pardon me, 51% ownership and control, which is a statutorily defined term to mean that you have that 51% at least uh, profits and, and lost interest, but also you have the, the oversight of the day-to-day activities. So it's, you know, you are actually the boss. So you don't have uh, some, you have, like a situation where a, you know, a, a rich white guy comes to a person of color and then has a front, you know, like that's the whole, that's the there whole management. There might be a management company involved, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then when that net net is, is there, that nut, uh, is there after the the company has turned a profit? If they have, fifty one percent of it goes to the social equity holder, yeah. and then that social equity holder, you know, they do have then provisions for like what happens when you buy and sell a license. That might be when it gets out. Yeah. And so, like, but it, it, the way that they've structured it, they have to organize the application and the business themselves to be a, uh, a social equity, quote unquote, company or uh, the MSOs that are trying to come in that have money to burn. They would try to apply as a social equity applicant because they have enough employees, which can get uh, tricky because right now we're under a delay with COVID and they have to maintain a payroll of 10 full time employees. of which would be a social equity applicant by themselves, essentially. And that gets expensive as you, because you have to, they have to be on payroll from the time you apply until the time they announce the license. So that's been like uh, seven months so far for the, um, the dispensaries that still haven't been announced. And that is, that's, that pushes the, the price to entry up 
as well. But that's how they're going to try to take care of this social equity. And then to the extent that those um, corporate entities are, are shifted or rearranged, or there's buy sell rights, there's buyout rights, there's dilutions and whatnot like that. Uh, we will have to wait and see on it, but um, there's still the tax dollars that go to the R3 programs. Yeah. And so there's two ways to really look at the social equity aspect of any particular cannabis uh, licensing or legalization uh, regulatory framework. And so you can also look at the social equity from the allocations of the tax revenue. And so we also look at the allocations of the tax revenue in Illinois. And that's where we get that R3 program. That's that $31.5 million in grants that are going. Uh, and those grants are designed to help repair the harms on the war in drugs. So as the cannabis plant continues and like we're at 50 million, $52 million in tax revenue and about like 400 million ish, maybe, no, not yet. Cause that'd that's, be 10. Cause like we were at, that's yeah, but like, that's so much. we're like, we're passing like 40 million more a month and we're only like six months in. So we'd be like shaping up for maybe a four to a $500 million first year, you know, maybe a little higher. Man. We'll see. Yeah, that's insane. And just on that point really quick, too. I mean, I, I think once the states surrounding legalize, there'll be a little bit of a reduction slightly, but I think they've already accounted for that. I, I've, I've seen people already talking about that. But so with the social equity program, so the key, some of the keys are is guaranteed 51% ownership. That's a, that's a big thing right there, right? So you have to have that to the social equity uh, license holder, right? right? And so that's a key. Um, are there ways to get around that or is it pretty difficult? People ask me that all the time. Mm -hmm. People ask me, how do I get around it all the time? Because very often the social equity person is not a person of financial means. Mm -hmm. They are not the money. And so the money wants to control stuff like it always does. Uh, and that's, that's fine. Uh, it could also be a, ma a manager of the LLC, but uh, the money controlling stuff doesn't mean that the person who has the social equity doesn't also have control, mm -hmm. depending on how the uh, LLC operating agreement's written. And so like we set them up as manager managed LLCs, and we define a social equity president and all these types of things. The social equity president has the authority to manage the day-to-day -day business operations. Of course, there's also another manager you know, uh, yeah, you know, and that's like fine. But as long as they have 51%, right, they can technically correct. make amendments to, to certain, not necessarily, not necessarily okay. early. No, because that would you, be, maybe... then you have super majorities, okay. then you have super majorities and stuff. And so like, they wouldn't be able to make those types of amendments, uh, unless there's like a super majority, which they, they probably wouldn't have, but it gets what into would be a super majority, by the way, stuff. uh, the super majority can actually be defined by the operating agreement. It depends on what it is. And then sometimes there's unanimous consent that's also defined in the operating agreement. So like if, if you wanted to sell the entity, you might need unanimous consent of the members. And so, um, so would it be, would it be, would it, would it inquire like board members, right? Is that really what would be the, yes, like yes. Shit? You could also have board members if you have a corporate, uh, structure set up. I mean, it depends on how you set up the, the entity. Okay. And very often the entities are set up as LLCs. They aren't necessarily set up as C-Corps. The holding corporation might actually be a C-Corp, but the operating organizations could be LLCs. It just really depends. Uh, tax purposes actually kind of dictate uh, organization uh, more than anything else. And because, you know, you've heard, maybe you've heard of like, oh, that was acquired for an all stock deal, or as opposed to that was acquired by a purchase agreement for this much mm -hmm. cash. Yeah, right, right. And so it depends on what type of corporate structure it is, whether or not it's a corporation or an LLC. And there's all sorts of different reasons that uh, they mm -hmm. do it one way or the other. Um, 
But those are the fun, silly, boring problems that I get to deal with as being a cannabis lawyer. It's, yeah. it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love, I definitely love what, uh, you know, you're doing um, with cannabis legalization news. Um, like I said, guys, go check that out. Uh, really great resource. I mean, you literally have a world-class yeah. lawyer that's specifically, you know, uh, been studying cannabis for a while. So please go check that out guys. But what, so tell me, you, you told me when we talked, when I asked about it, like the first time we talked, you, you were like, you know, yeah, we just started doing this kind of for fun. Wait, what was the real, you kind of talked about it briefly in your intro, but what oh, well, really the, propelled the you to do this, to, to do cannabis, uh, to be a cannabis lawyer? Oh, to be a cannabis lawyer has been something that I've wanted to do uh, for at least 10 years. Cause like, that's how Miggy, uh, who co-hosts cannabis legalization news, you can, you can also find us at cannabislegalizationnews.com, of course. Oh, but yeah. then uh, I, I wrote a book. Uh, mm -hmm. about 10 years ago in my first year of law practice about how just unconstitutional these these cannabis laws were and just how completely racist they were and and why it was unconstitutional and all this crap and uh, that was not well received uh, you know in the it was well well received don't get me wrong uh but it was not well received by the bank law firm that oh, uh, decided yeah. to like hire me and like help yeah. me pay off my sizable sizable student loans which cannabis helped me pay off this year thank you <laughs> hey, cannabis. yeah let's yeah, go right. that's awesome right where'd yeah, you go where'd so, you go where'd you go by the way uh, i went to marquette law school and Ooh, uh, shit yeah marquette hell yeah that's a yeah. that's a great school oh uh, thanks you know milwaukee was a lot of fun um I, I the only thing that i didn't like too much about milwaukee was it's a little too far north for me so winter was like an extra month out of the year and i'm like man this is really taking my toll uh extra month of winter up here gosh guys yeah. i can see why you drink so much beer yeah no it's crazy up there i randomly my 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 brother's uh landlords uh they their son they're all lawyers but the son he's a lawyer he actually just finished i think he just finished up actually at marquette um in in milwaukee um and he but he told me a story real quick that he opened up he he left open his uh window um for a few days on accident you know and he left came back a couple of days later everything is like frozen like 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 solid like solid frozen like like literally the the water in the toilet was frozen holy crap <laughs> yeah yeah, they got ice fishing up there, you know, they, like, they go further north into the lakes and that's, that, that might, exp I don't know, I don't get it though. Like, you know, how come Minnesota and, and Wisconsin don't have better cannabis programs by now? Seriously. They're just sitting yeah. up there freezing. Maybe that's it. I guess get they high. don't have. Don't, don't drink. I mean, I guess drinking keeps you warmer, like, I guess. I don't really know, but. I don't know. But that's, yeah. that was one thing. Cause like when I got out of uh, law school in 08, you know, Wisconsin didn't have any medical program. Wisconsin still doesn't have a medical program. I know an activist that's uh, in uh, the northern area of Wisconsin. that's kind of near the UP uh, of Michigan mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, I, I just feel so bad for those people. Like, why does Wisconsin hate weed so much? You know, what's up with that? Yeah, well, you know, let's, I, I think that, you know, I, I always, when I talk about certain states and like, for example, like I've done a couple segments on, uh arizona and how they were really close last time in 2016 to passing it was like it was like a 50 like two percent like 
I think 48, like something like that. Um, and MedMen had just dumped money in there and they fucked that all up because it's MedMen. And, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I know it's different from region to region, but like, what are like, I like from just defining and kind of like showcasing the characteristics of states that have a culture of just hating cannabis? I know there's right. like a broad one. Like, like, do you have any like specific characteristics that why that's the case? Like, I, I, I always say a little bit, maybe potentially. They're you usually know, law and order Republican states. Yeah, uh, but yeah. And have to like, like a, liberty yeah. Republican states. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of surprised Wyoming uh, doesn't necessarily have a more hands-off approach towards, towards cannabis. And because they're like more of a libertarian society. Right, right. right. Okay. Well, they're still conservative, but they're the freedom yeah. style. They're libertarian. Yeah, yeah. The, they they the don't like government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like, hey, fuck off. I'm trying to enjoy my freedom over here. That's, That's the point, limited though. government why, they why want. Why not Wyoming? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm kind of surprised Wyoming hasn't had more because they really have that idea of, you know, that liberty. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong then. Maybe I should go to Wyoming more because maybe I would find that law and order style where you would see more like, you know, oh, I, I don't know of any good law and order um, style of, of politicians that I enjoy. Um, but uh, that, that's that particular stripe of the Republican Party where it's the moral indignation of it all. And like those damn hippies where they just hate liberals as opposed to like uh, believing in small government and liberty. Yeah. And I think the whole like the the Nixon-esque, like I hate, hate those damn hippies, like, you know, just using it as a weapon, right? To just right. to destroy the left. You know, that's what that's a, one of the many strategies that Nixon and that whole Republican era tried to do. And but, here uh, we are yeah. 50 years later. And what's happening in the Senate? Who's holding it up? Republican from Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Republican from North Carolina. Yeah. Right. It's not yeah. Bernie Sanders. Bernie no. Sanders is holding up shit. You know? No, exactly. And he's all about, you know, he's all about government. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think, I think that there, I think that definitely was the, the case. And I think, I think it's starting to now morph a little bit more towards the, you know, fundamentalist, like, you know, religious type Christians, right. That have very, like, like it's a mixture of, of very conservative thinking folk that are, you know, coming from the Nixon era. And then there's also that, you know, pretty far, far right, uh, not far right, but like, yeah, far right, uh, fundamental, you know, religious, uh, but that, that gets the same type of thing. It's yeah, like, and, it, and not just Christianity. Cause I mean, yeah. uh, like for example, um, Sheldon Adelson, right. Sheldon Adelston. He is the billionaire the guy rich, who, yeah, the casino guy, casino right? guy who gave yeah. who gave Trump like a ridiculous amount of money, and he said the only issue I want is you to move the the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem or something. I think that's what it was. Re- regardless, he you know he's a very him and his wife. His wife's a doctor. They're both very very against cannabis. They actually put money against all of these anti cannabis campaigns. Um, Weird. Yeah, no, I know, I know, dude, I know. And then it's, you know, it's funny that on the other hand, you kind of have, if we're talking about like billionaires, you have, um, oh God, what is his name? He's like the, George Soros. He's been funding cannabis legalization campaigns for years. I didn't even know this. Yeah. He's been supporting all, like a lot of them. And ran, like, yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Well, I'm for not, him, man. Yeah. Because 
Like that, that's one of the most interesting aspects of your marketing dollar. Very rarely do businesses look at their marketing dollar and political contributions, but they might actually want to. Because uh, if you could get the laws passed a certain way, you could make a lot more money. Or if yeah, the regulators- that's what I think gonna... with George is a little bit like, I mean, he has a pretty big stake in, uh, what's that terrible company that everyone hates? Um, uh, the farming company with all the pesticides? What is it? Oh, Monsanto. 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 He has a pretty big, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's and been George funding them Soros. since like the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Soros. Yeah. Um, Soros buys Monsanto. Did not know that. Well, he owns, he owns, a, he has a, he has a, he had a pretty large share at one point. I know it's not called Monsanto anymore. You know, I did a segment on this and I was like, and I looked at, I watched it again and I was like, I don't know if I should put this up. Just like it, no, no, it's, it's all been, that's been proven. It's just like the points you're trying to connect and be like, Oh, you know, he's, you know, I don't know. He could just, you know, he could just be, all about cannabis who knows but well i just appreciate so. i just appreciate but that's that's an aspect of the business you know yeah. an aspect of the business is it's a political business and so well okay everybody thinks well, how much am i supposed to spend for having this this hip-hop artist rap about my weed as opposed to okay should i have just spent that same amount of money i spent on the hip-hop artist to rap about my weed to buy off those three congressmen yeah. so that they would have gotten like no new licenses for the next five years. And I've locked in a monopoly for just peddling whatever I can. Yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, and I'm glad you said buy, I mean, just buy out some, cause that's what it is. I mean, they just literally it's corruption. Donations. Oh, it's donations. Exercise your free speech rights to buy a politician. And <laughs> on a, on a scale of zero to 10, how much do you hate citizens United? Uh, the Citizens United cakes was a very unhappy case. And then Buckley and, 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 v. Vallejo. But that's Buckley v. Vallejo, yeah, that's back the, in yeah. 1976. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the, the origins of this money being speech uh, holding uh, and precedent is uh, not necessarily all that old. You know, if it only goes back to uh, the 1970s. But a lot of precedent only goes back to the 1970s. One of the things that I did in that book that I wrote, uh, so, and I'll, I'll give them away uh, on the air or tell you where you can go to find them. It's yeah, shadyhousepub.com. Okay, I'll link yeah, down below. It, it, yeah. I want one of those, yeah. by the way. Sweet, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll trade you. I'll send you. I'll send you some stuff too. Awesome, yeah. Swag trade. And yep. so, um, one of the things that I used in that decision was uh, an archaic reading of the Fourth Amendment from like 1926, because I'm like, that's when we had fucking freedom, man. Yeah. And then I'm like looking at what it's become, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't even gonna fly. This, <laughs> this would never work. It's too bad. I mean, it'd be nice, but no. And so with uh, Citizens United and money being speech and, and uh, corporations being people, um, you know, what can you really do? And, and isn't money really speech? I mean, like if you just, if you have the ability to buy all the ink and print all the is papers. It, is it speech though? Let's like, let's just, uh, straight up. Is that speech? Come on. Like it's, well, is, it depends no, it's on not. what, what did the, what did the, uh, the founders mean by speech? You know, yes, like they, I know. Yes, did they the did? Big. But then, then the thing is, did they mean it to to mean the uh, dissemination of truth through the common the marketplace of ideas and uh, that we may have uh, as uh, society? And then the press was supposed to provide uh, a source for these truths to report. You know, and yeah, and but they didn't really fashion. think the capitalism aspect. You know, where's John Locke at? Like, where? Like, come on! Like, there's if you're playing, if you're playing, if if you evolve money in politics heavily like like they did with citizens united then it's this is the part that i think they didn't really think out or they didn't really like i mean talk about it. i'm sure they did a little bit but 
you know, once you have a fully capitalistic, pure capitalism, right? That's the worst thing. Pure communism, pure capitalism, pure anything is usually pretty fucking bad most times. But a pure capitalism system is, is it's like a vortex. It's only going to go down and down and down because they're going to keep buying and buying and buying. Every and then we're all going to, we're all going to fucking Every get our fish quarter. forks. Yeah, that's right. It'll, it'll be, it'll, these, the, the world will be ending one quarter at a time so, because that's so what they only it, think it, about. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. It's all about money. And, and so, so it's, it's as every year goes by, like every quarter that goes by these fucking people, like, like, like it's all, they're doing their job. They're making money. That's the job for corporations. Right. But it's, from a right. political standpoint, it's, 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 there's an end game. It's not longevity. There's no end game. It's longevity. End game is really us doing a French revolution. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, and billionaires know that I've seen a couple articles of billionaires writing, like, we need to balance the system. The, the pendulum is being, you know, held right here by money, by yeah. money and politics. And it's not swinging back forward or, you know, back to balance it out. Like, you know, but the thing is they don't need that much money. That's really the funny thing. They don't. Like if they people don't. are just getting like 50 grand a year, something like that. If any, if the average American could just make 50 grand a year, all those problems that those billionaires and billionaires think that they have from social unrest would probably go away. Yeah. And I think some of the smarter and, ones have been saying that they're like, well, this is getting a little out of hand guys. Come on. Like, well, and then they too much money. do two things, health insurance, pay for that college pay for that education okay you You're just taking- you read my that is the number one thing i am not huge on the i, I am i am a lefty for sure i don't like to get too right. political but like just take care of education healthcare, and don't profit off jails that's all i want don't profit that's all off i jails. fucking want that's all my i want. God. that's it yeah, yeah. Well, privatized prisons make <laughs> literally no sense no and they like don't. that that they're uh, that they're legal and allowed shocks and embarrasses me as an american absolutely so, but it's a property of pure capitalism dude. it's the system unchecked dude it's like we have to make money off everything like it just blows but it's my so, mind because now you've literally created legal crime you now have an incentive <laughs> for this company this company would be lobbying the law and order types to make it illegal to have marijuana or anything so that you could have heads in jail beds and so they could make profits. They need the crime for their quarter. So like yeah. if people aren't making that $50,000 a year and they aren't you know, economically secure and they're terrified because they have medical bills and student debt and they can't get a great job and, and their life's slipping away one year at a time where they just never seem to get ahead, my goodness. Um, talk about the social unrest that you have there. So you might go out and commit a crime and then it's on a prison mm-hmm. bed. That is good for the profits. It is just corrupt and pathetic. And, and it, uh, I hate it. I hate that concept. It's yeah. And it's a system that I think is like, it's got, it's got a, it, there's a fuel cap on it. There's only so much that can happen. It's not a system of longevity. Um, but then again, I guess, you know, we only live roughly around, you know, at most well, it's getting long, years. That's the thing. You it know, is, but just motherfuckers really don't care about the next. Yeah. But if you're going to be hanging out on this planet for like another hundred years, uh, <laughs> I think that's when you're going to see things start smoothing it off. Cause like then people aren't going to be like, I only got this one life. This is my shot. If I don't take it, I'll have to wait two, three more years until the next one comes out. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. No, yeah. I, I definitely think, you know, a hundred percent. And I mean, I think all, I mean, I think all of the problems that stem from any sort of problem in any sort of economic, uh, you know, disparity problem, 
I think all stems from that motherfucking Citizens United Buckley Ukulele. Well, that that doesn't help. That really doesn't help. And then the, it really doesn't. Yeah, it it really doesn't. But then also the the culture of the profitization. And so like yeah, that's that's pervasive in the cannabis industry as well because everybody's like free money. It's not free. It's not free nor easy. And so, uh, but they they have that concept, that green rush. Like oh my gosh, I'm going to get rich and quick. And yeah. so. Um, those types of things can be exploited. And that's, that's why we have market capitalism. And I like market capitalism. It works. But, you know, do you really trust it to just work perfectly? Like, Unchecked, you know, just never yeah. checking on it. You just say, hey, you just do right. your thing. We'll, we'll come back in 100 years. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, all, you yeah. know all those frauds that happen? No, they so, don't so, happen. So, so, so yeah. this, is, this, is a, this is exactly the same, the same way I wanted to go into. So when you said people take advantage of that, right? Right. One thing that I've seen quite a bit, uh, and I'm sure you guys have covered, um, and I, I know you guys have covered, is these people, these, these exec- executives that are, um, you know, great talk, they're great at talking, they're slick, they know how to market, they have, you know, a little pizzazz, you know, they're, they're maybe the first to do it, like a, like, a, like a Adam Bierman at MedMen, or, you know, not, I don't want to single out people too much, but there's a lot of them out there, right? So, and they're all about, you know, you know how we're going to make money? We're not going to make money through profit we're going to make money through investment and if you see you've seen you've seen that right just just these guys that just know how to run and in, in, they play on the hype i i say that you know there's the tech yeah. boom in the 90s like the bubble right now i think there's the cannabis bubble right and i think it's oh um, is no uh oh. no it's not gonna pop until you can actually get a listing on the stock exchange mm. and so sure you can get the otcs now yeah. you can get i can go buy some cresco yeah, i can go buy so. some gti i can go buy some true leaf but uh are they real sure they're real do they make money no they don't <laughs> none of them are posting any earnings uh, and so it's that investment type of business model which gets back into that corporation style of of running a business and whether or not that's the the best way to run a business you know no it, it's an okay way to want to run a company depending on what your exit strategy is in two to four years like you know there's yeah. a reason sometimes why people will actually have a company and that's an investment perspective and like you know this is what we're trying to accomplish with that and if they have enough investors they can and then those investor money that goes in and then of course they pay all their their bills with it me as the ceo i'm going to need a, a raise yeah i'm going to need a big bonus stock yeah <laughs> I, I need some stock options because everybody i'm going to then allocate these these monies to buy back those shares so we're going to beat on earnings on this and now i have to go send a tweet and start a twitter war with elon musk mm. we're going to do it baby exactly you know, uh, so so but you're talking so so when you're saying like like kind of the criteria for some of these people like and and how their thought process right and you then then i heard you also talk about industry right like industry matters too like what kind of industry are you in the 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 style that we're talking about is is a tech bubble style where it's like you know we could be losing 100 million a year on a company but because it's a tech company once we hit that breakthrough point and because of the scalability of the technology we're we're worth we're we're worth billions now we're worth billions so it was all worth it but this is agriculture cannabis is not code cannabis is not code and so like i i I do believe that there's aspects of the thing that's similar in the sense that cannabis takes sophisticated operators to be Mm -hmm. able to make the product very very high quality 
code makes sophisticated operators that are able to make the code a very, very high quality. Here's the problem, it's scaling. Once you then have that code done, like so you can buy that Amazon checkout card gateway, oh, it's so nice, and then just keep improving that. Uh, that is entirely different than saying, okay, we have this cannabis run in this climate for these people, and we have that cannabis run for this climate and those people. Like that's, that's, a, that's a commodity, it's farming. Yeah. It's not necessarily as scalable. And, and it's not scalability. And it's, right? Yeah. And that, it's not industrial. Key. It's mm -hmm. not industrial farming. It's horticulture farming. So like, this isn't just row cropping, you know, you have to actually get in there and like, look at the plant and figure it out. And then after it's harvested, then you have to process it. And all of this under like uh, hospital regulations, you know, yeah. uh, it's strict, strict regulations. So it's not, it's, it's not an app that people can download in one day, 10 million times. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's right. The, yeah. And so like, that's when you have to actually get back to the Warren Buffett style of value investment. So like you look at the book value of the company and you go, all right, they have a profit. Uh, they've met all their expenses on this and then they had this much left over. And it's a long-term investment. cash flow. That yeah, is a cash yeah. flow. And so like, I'm trying to buy cash flows. If I, if I look and can find one, buy very it. Very few though. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. There's yeah. very few cash flows. And so that's one of the things that you need to understand. Uh, and that's where some uh, investors or some business people that might believe the hype and want to have a cool company as opposed to just owning a, you know, a, uh, a daycare or something, uh, you know, which those are fine businesses owned too. Like, what's yeah. the point of this business? Did you get into this industry to make money? Or did you get in this industry because you thought it was cool? It's, it's the same principle of you can ask kids back in the day, like, did you start selling weed for the money or did you start selling weed to be the cool kid? Right. Right. Great point. That's a great point. Yeah. <clears throat> Love that. No, absolutely. That, yeah. That was, that yeah was and this is, uh, this is the type of stuff that I do. So like, again, mm -hmm. like one of the things that I do for the SEO is uh, cannabisindustrylawyer.com. That's my blog. And so if you go there, then you'll be able to find, like, I'm trying to treat this as a repository for if somebody's asked that thing about in the cannabis industry, I hope that one day I have it answered like on that site be like, Oh no, just go to cannabisindustry.com and ask that question. I, I know that I answered it 12 years ago, you know, and then uh, I'll just have it there. And Building so an archive fun. of a kind of educational kind of walk answers really, to be honest. So, right. Simply. Right. Answers, answers. And mm -hmm. so like when you ask Google, then it's, it's me answering these, these cannabis uh, questions. And then of course, I make it fairly easy to contact me on my website page. Mm -hmm. And so like you can very easily fill out a form and then boom, we're talking. And then I'm like, okay, so where do you want to operate? I want to operate here. Cool. And then uh, you just, you see if you can help the person and you can uh, get them licensed, but also like, are they going to be able to actually stay in business? And so it's not necessarily the business model of uh, truly for, or um, Cresco or anybody who's going to be trying to go public. This isn't the, the big investment grade C Corp style. It's the um, more blue collar style where like you're actually going to be in an industry, in a trade, uh, because like you have to know your farmers. And hopefully there's going to be a good, um, robust uh, culture of uh, craft growers in Illinois. We'll find out. But all those questions I like to throw on uh, cannabisindustrylawyer.com. It's, it's my blog. Absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%, guys. Definitely go check that out. Like I said, this is, you know, one of my, you know, new resources for specifically cannabis law. Um, you know, I've been trying to find a buddy that that knows this, that that is, that is a cannabis lawyer. I know I knew a couple, but you're yeah. way cooler. Um, <laughs> but uh, so 
let's just real quick kind of go over what what exact so do you help you what what's what's your specialty i know i know lawyers help each other out they have teams of lawyers that will help you know on certain specialties that they have right so right. i guess what is your specialty or what is what, what do you really focus on when it comes to you help people with licenses or you know just kind of sure. Yeah, like uh, back in the day, I mostly made my my living as a bank litigator in uh, fairly sophisticated securities transactions, uh, you know, cases uh, with with loans and and uh, security interest and collateral. And then I named my law firm Collateral Base for that, but also because uh, you don't really want to put the word cannabis on your law firm. It's yes. just, yeah. <laughs> right just now, well, back then, yeah. you didn't really want to. Now, well, I, I now still, even I mean, you now still don't want to. Yeah, it would yeah be. I still don't want to because like I'm trying to fly a little bit lower under the radar. And also, if you have collateral, you got something. That's, that's yeah. a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. and, um, uh, and so that's really what I did for about eight years. Um, I wrote that book in the constitutional law aspect, and then I did uh, bank litigation for about eight years. And bank litigation is, especially in the area that I was in, it, it, was, it was not people. It was only businesses. And so you would review all the businesses' contracts and you would see what they have going on and you would follow the money because very often the cases that I would deal with had to do with fraud because mm. why else would the multi-million dollar loan fail, right? Yep. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what I did. Follow, follow the money. No, right. You follow the money and there was no market opportunity there in, in cannabis. And so it was a lot of corporate and it was a lot of litigation. Uh, and some transactions, you know, some settlements and some, some sale agreements and all those types of things. And then I got into cannabis when I started my own practice a couple of years ago now. And that's when Illinois went legal with uh, hemp. So I got through the first year on a lot of hemp clients and I still have them, but uh, I'll probably have more next year as the regulations will change and they'll become a little bit more strict with the new USDA regs. Uh, and then I uh, got, I'll, I'll have a lot more clients uh, in Illinois and then in other states as they start to go, uh, being a consultant and then also being a, a, a counsel, a legal counsel where I can in the right capacity that's in compliance with our professional rules uh, uh, of helping these companies uh, form, organize, operate. And, um, you know, get born, die, have new members, have new family members come in, have new family members go out, look at their contracts for their operations for, you know, what type of contract is it an employment contract is it a purchase and sales contract for, for vending, you know, cause they, they, they have inputs. Uh, is it a licensing agreement? Is it a management agreement? How do these agreements work? And then you advise the board of directors and the owners very often are the board of directors of the company, what that means legally. And it's gonna be very important in social equity uh, jurisdictions like Illinois, because when you have that 5149, and uh, there's, there can be shareholder conflicts, but then these shareholders of fiduciary duties, and you need to really explain to them like what the gravity of the situation is on behalf of the company. And, and it, it'd be like, you know, it's in the company's best interest to do this. Mm. Uh, I understand your position as, as, you know, and then you just document that and you explain it to them. Uh, and then you hope that you, they make the right business decision. But, you know, as their, their lawyer, you're just really their advisor. advisor. Their yeah. 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 So you're, so you really, I mean, you know, you're, you're kind of, I mean, you do, you do have specialties, but you also, you have a pretty broad uh, approach to help consult companies with all legal matters. Um, yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, and then you, you do make teams. And so like when it's like, oh, this is more of an employment, that type of issue, call him. Okay, this is more of an IP issue. Call that guy. Oh, mm -hmm. this is more of, um, well, if it's regulatory and 
I'd still probably call me. And now I'm, I'm getting more into zoning and admin law. But then if it's corporate, I got a few people to, when it's corporate that it's like, it's getting over my head. I'm like, woof. Uh, or securities law. Let's say that you're, you're a company and you want to raise $5 million. Well, that's a PPM, bro. We're going to need to get this private placement memorandum. It's going to be about this thick. It's about 100 pages. Most of it's gobbledygook. Your business plan will be in there. So let's get your, uh, your, your CFA on the line because we're going to have to go over your performance in that. And then uh, you'd be able to actually go out and start raising capital. Uh, however, I don't like to draft those, even though I can, unless I'm going to get conflict waivers and I'm going to get like liability waivers. And I'm also going to make sure that I check my malpractice limits because I'm not going to help you raise $10 million if I'm only insured for a million bucks of liability. I don't need $9 million of liability over my head if, if somebody over here screws this up and then they turn around, they blame me and they try to get my insurance, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, yeah. Any, any cannabis entrepreneurs listening, if you guys, if you, if, if you are there, please, if you guys need legal counsel, contact Tom, contact. They, yeah. yeah. The, the hemp guys need it less. And so the mm -hmm. hemp guys are sometimes more difficult to get, uh, you know, their attention there, but then they don't have the regulation. And so they're doing, they're trying to cheapskate it and uh and chintz it a little bit they're more the the wild west get rich quick kind of cowboys yeah. you know yeah. uh they can be some of them are legit hemp farmers they're like yeah. legit cannabis farmers that know the heck what they're doing and they make some just delicious products and in fact i was actually enjoying uh, there's some hemp trusts in there i like to do a uh, an entourage effect in my uh cannabis joints and so i have a little homegrown a little bit of hemptress in there and it's uh, a little it's bit of this a nice, little bit of that hell yeah a little bit of this a little bit of that it's a it's smooth and it's a good calming buzz man it's i i love the hemp i shout out to uh botanics by the way it's a company down in texas they're a hemp company uh, they don't produce it because it's not legal there in texas to produce but you can still technically sell it um but you know it's kind of interesting when you start to see the you know, the, you know, the, the, the 0.3 limit, right. The 0.3% THC mm -hmm. limit. I've not, not, not pertaining at all, but botanics is completely different. This has nothing to do with them um, at all. Cause they're, they're hundred percent legit, but there are, I do know, I do know some people, I'm not going to lie that use that just as a complete front to just grow on, you know, unregulated cannabis. Like, <laughs> Like, oh, like low, oh low percentage, gosh. but still Illinois like, oh, I yeah. had the most beautiful loophole last season, <laughs> the most beautiful loophole, because you know, like if you grow cannabis, well, THC doesn't grow in the plant, it's THCA, you know, and so if you're babying your plants, and you know what you're doing, uh, that THC level can be, you know, under it. And so I saw some stuff that was like 0.29 delta nine. 14, 15% THCA. And I'm like, yeah, some high quality outdoor and it's legal. You know, exactly. I wouldn't necessarily sell it outside the state lines. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want the, the feds coming, but um, no, absolutely. But, but it's a pretty big loophole. I would say it's, oh, like a, it's a, it's a gaping loophole to be honest. And well, I've seen that pre yeah. pretty prevalent in the South, which is, I think is good because they, they need it. They need something, right. Cause they don't have really that much legal cannabis out there. They do. They need that protection. But then also it, it, it demonstrates that the, the law is arbitrary and capricious. And so the law is arbitrary and capricious because this 0.3% threshold literally means nothing. Like according to the plant genetics, it means nothing. 
And so like it, it, there's, there's nothing in the plant genetics that says this 0.3 is going to happen. Um, there's nothing at all that even says there's going to be 0.3. Uh, it could be 0.2, but a shitload of THCA, like high quality flour often is. High quality flour is very often less than 1% THC. Uh, and so then what is the CBD to THC ratio of the genetics themselves? Oh, that's out there. And so there's stable 20 to 1 CBD THC ratios. And most of the strains that are very popular and growing right now uh, are those. And they look like they're all going to be wiped off next year because of the new USDA regulations. And so you're going to see a lot more CBG strains. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate. But uh, why isn't it a 20 to 1 ratio? So why isn't it uh, the THC content, the total THC content of the flower cannot be more than one out of 20% of the CBD content? Because that, that's a lot of those flowers. They're always less than, and you'll see, it'll say 0.3% THC. It doesn't say THCA, it'll just say THC. Because if you look at the total, very often it's more than that 0.3%. It might be like a 0.7 or a 0.9. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's... It's a wild, wild world out there. A lot of different regulations. There's no economy of scale. I mean, people need cannabis entrepreneurs, any business, cannabis business, hemp business, they need people like Tom because especially right now, not to say that they're not going to be absolutely invaluable in the future once we have federal legalization, but you, you know, you have all these different regulations, fragmented markets, you need someone to help you uh, navigate uh, or multiple people. Yeah, um, yeah. You definitely yeah. need that team aspect. You know, cannabis is a team sport and figuring out who you have on it and like how lean it can be and how it's going to make revenue and how it's not going to close its doors. Because like, you know, I don't want you to open your business and then be like, all right, well, you guys are going to be out of business in two months. You know, that's that's not really why you're doing this. And um, it's it sucks. But then at the same time, uh, a lot of businesses are hard and you, the more that you understand it, the more that you can actually try to make money at it as opposed to trying to make investment dollars at it, you know, where you're yes. not just going to the next capital raise. Yeah, I know that's, and that's, yeah, profit, cash flow, all keys, anybody that's uh, gets that, that's really good at getting investment, doesn't have a good spreadsheet, stay away, stay away. Right. Um, absolutely. Hell yeah. So let's wrap it up. Um, so please tell me, you know, just remind us of where we can find you, awesome, know, social yeah. medias, uh, anything Social else medias are basically everything except for Twitter. I think Twitter's for news. Um, we do do the news, actually. But it's, it's for news that's of 164 characters or less. Yep. We do a long-form um, podcast, not too dissimilar than this, uh, Wednesdays at 2. And then also on Sundays, we have our activist hour. Uh, and then I do various uh, other ones, and so does Miggy. That's Cannabis Legalization News. If you Google that, we'll come up uh, as the YouTube channel. We might, it depends on what result we are. Yeah, I, yeah. I type up Cannabis Legalization News YouTube. They'll come up, yep. obviously, number one. Oh, cannabis we'll Legalization News, you know, they'll, they'll just pop up the news thing, I think, potentially. But you, you, they'll still be there, too. Um, yeah, but, yeah, we're pretty yeah. close. And if you look SEO at SEO is fire, lawyer, though. I love the, the SEO. SEO is great. Yeah. And so, like, if you look at our, uh, if you Google Cannabis Lawyer, you're going to find my website, CannabisIndustryLawyer.com, an online resource for all your questions about the cannabis industry. And if you have any, you go to Cannabis Industry Lawyer and you contact me. And then you ask me those questions and that's how I create more of that content. So like right now I'm just polishing off something on special use permits. Special use permits are everywhere in the industry because very often, even when the state has legalized something, they require you to have a special use permit to do your operations. 
uh, if the zoning and land use requirements of your state uh, so requires. It's quite common. And so, um, it, it can so, be so go check them out because right because yeah. the more the more people that you know engage with cannabis legalization news uh, the more and and Tom the more you're gonna be able, you know we're, you're gonna get your answers you know from right. uh, from him so please use this as a resource you know any anybody listening um, if you're interested definitely go reach out to them um, absolutely uh, anything else though any any other plugs. What's the oh, book, what's the book name? I, I'm I, I did. A, there's an actually an old story about books, and so it, it was in a sales book that I read. Uh, and if you just don't like the way that your your book sold, you just change its name, and then uh, you try selling it again. And so I did that. And that's uh, smart. First, Rebrand that. Well, it, I did, but like I think uh, the first one sold better because the first one was called Satan Smoke, and it had a parody. <laughs> It had that parody of the uh, the devil's lettuce, the you know the the marijuana madness, kind of like you know uh, the reefer madness, the, the, the reefer devil's madness lettuce, picture, the devil's lettuce, the reefer madness picture from the '30s, and so oh, that yeah. really helped. And I didn't even get like an ISBN number for the book, and then I rebranded it as the case of USV Yerbas, which is just too boring. And but like you know, it was a little bit more polished, and so uh, I give away them now, and then you can go to like my publishing company in law school was called Shady House Publishing. So shadyhousepub.com, and uh, you can pick one up there. Uh, we're also starting to have production. So uh, we're going to have credits on our show now. So when you watch Cannabis Legalization News at the end, when Lauren comes on and thanks the guests for coming on and says, how do we hook up with you in the future? And then she's going to roll the credits. And it's going to be like, Cannabis Legalization News was produced by, and then it's going to be the name of my law firm, Collateral Base, you know, uh, directed by Lauren, starring Tom and Mickey. Plugging it in, connecting it. Yeah, and then of course we have a sponsor page for cannabis legalization mm -hmm. news, so you could be an executive producer. And so, like you know, uh, if you're because you, we had you on the show, and so like that would be the pitch for the executive producer. So like, get your brand on our show. We'll yeah. say that you're the executive producer of that. You'll be in the credits every week for that year. You know, it's this much a month, I and then that. you'll get that page and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so. Uh, we're going to try to monetize the channel a little bit that way, simply because then if I can run that channel at like nothing. So like, you know, right now I, I pay for it out of my yeah. you know, collateral based yeah, law firms marketing budget. And so because of that, you know, sure, I could say that I'm producing the show, but then I should get other cannabis companies to help me produce this. And then eventually I'll start owning licenses and then I'll be producing and pr promoting my own cannabis companies. Absolutely, dude. Hey, that's the model, dude. That's the model. And you obviously, you obviously know it because it's it, absolutely, I mean, you need to leverage the internet, you know, anyone listening, obviously Tom yeah. knows that and he's been doing that for a while and I think it's paid off in a lot of ways. Oh, dude. I would yeah, say, uh, <laughs> yeah, it has paid yeah. off. It really has. Like uh, yeah. some of the best money that I ever spent was the money that I did learning SEO and like how to make websites Absolutely. And, and how to, how to get attention. And then also you have to frame a deal and say, I will offer you this for this price. Mm -hmm. Hey, here, here, Aaron sign there. Yeah. And, you, and you're putting in that long-term investment. You may not make money now, but it could it could be looking nice in the future in terms of direct like you know because you're already making money off it now but i just i urge anyone leverage the internet please leverage the internet no, uh, that's the reason why i started doing it you know like i'm seven minutes in right and 100 oh it's it's ridiculous like the more the quicker that people realize that they should just be doing business on the internet the quicker that they don't have to pay overhead and rent and all sorts of crap that they didn't need in the first place i'm in Absolutely. my kitchen for crying out loud Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So guys, this is episode number 12 of the Frame of Flower podcast. It is with very special guest, Tom Howard, the cannabis attorney, the the host uh, and owner of the Cannabis Legalization News YouTube channel. Please go check them out. They will be all linked down below. Uh, Go follow social medias for uh, Tom and the rest of the the crew at uh, Cannabis Legalization legalization news youtube i'm probably gonna you know i definitely want to have miggy on definitely want to have lauren on if she's down too um she might be yeah she might be okay sweet well regardless though um really appreciate you for uh, joining us and educating us and guys please you know reach out to him connect you know subscribe to the, the cannabis legalization news youtube channel really informative really informative stuff um i, I haven't really ever said that about there, there are some good cannabis, uh, you know, informative YouTube channels out there, but this one is definitely one to keep up with. So yeah, and like ours isn't necessary because like a lot of the cannabis YouTube channels that are out there really focus on the flower, on the grow, uh, exactly. Yeah, and yep. that's that's really important. Like the and the medium is great for that. And sometimes I like to do a little of it with my home grow, but mm-hmm. I, I know that I'm I'm in the child's pool in that yeah, one. Yeah, but then but like the value is that the operations, mm-hmm. right? When it gets to the operations, it questions all the crap that it gives. If you get into the industry, yes, you need to know all that flowering stuff, but then you find out you have to deal with all this crap. And so like- uh, Don't even have time for that yeah. flowering, man. Yeah, no, 100%. No, it, it, there's a balance yeah. between them both and they're, they're 100%. And I mean, that's why I was attracted to you guys for sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I think there's a, definitely a pretty big uh, need for the business operation side in terms of education, specifically towards the cannabis industry. There's a lot of grow channels out there, like you said, but awesome, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. My name is LMC. His name's Tom. Really appreciate y'all for joining us and have an amazing